Hello, and welcome to the From Micah podcast. Here we dive into the gracious overflow of God's wisdom within the Word. So from God's cup to ours, and from our cup to yours, we welcome you to this conversation between friends. One of the reasons why I also wanted you to go first is because um, you kind of dove into the reasons why we wanted to bring up the heart of God, moving the heart of God. Because it was these Old Old Testament and New Testament stories of people who really captured God and got him to move. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted you to um, start with these because you, you found all the ones we originally had talked about. Yeah. I, it's, it's such a an interesting concept i think it's something that i easily forget about and then i don't know get reminded somehow Mm. about the people that like the ability to move god's heart i think it's so easy to think that he's just like this immovable object i guess you know because he's the same yesterday today and Mm. forever and he he doesn't change so you think like of course, we have to conform our mm-hmm. lives to him. Right. But it's really incredible how many times humans moved the heart of God to change his mind, even. You know, this first story I have here, when Moses changed God's mind yeah. and reasoned with him, gave him a reason why he shouldn't do what he was going to do. And God was like, okay, you're right. Yeah. Like, that's just insane that we or we have that kind of relationship with God. And I think that's just something I discount a lot. I think God's looking for people to intercede in this way. And I think yeah. I, I always hesitate to say like that, like, oh, Moses changed God's mind. But mm-hmm. I mean, well, in, in the story that you're about to read, um, is there, the, they definitely deserved God's wrath. It's not yes. that God was being out of line, you know, and I feel like some people right. go to that way of thinking like, geez, that's harsh. But Moses, because Moses asked and asked for mercy, they received mercy and he did it because he honors Moses. And that's 100 mm-hmm. uh, percent a gift that we have today as well. And I, it is very lost because, yeah, it's. I, I'm not that way. I'm like, I'm not that bold. I'm like, God, I, don't listen to me, man. I'm not why. What do yeah. I know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Just like the, the idea that you could reason with God. Yeah. Yeah. Seems so bizarre. And yet, you know, like you said, I think, and I, you know, I, I pulled that, oh, I had you snag me that parable where God tells us to do that. Um, and I know that multiple times in the Bible, it's it tells us to remind God of his promises mm-hmm. and to remind God of his, of his own nature. So without further ado, I suppose I will dive into Exodus 32. And this is um, verses 7 through 14. And this is a story that God had already brought the Israelites out of Egypt. 
and Moses had gone up on, I believe it was Mount Sinai, and he was receiving the Ten Commandments from God, and he had been up there for a very long time, and uh, the people were starting to doubt. They were starting to think that Moses was dead. They were on their own. They were feeling abandoned, and so Aaron collected all the gold and made the molded calf idol and they had begun to bow themselves down and worship it and they were doing all kinds of disgustingness and so we start um, with God talking to Moses up on Mount Sinai and the Lord said to Moses go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them. And I will make of you a great nation. And Moses pleaded with the Lord and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore that your own, by your own self, And said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. And all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants, and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. I I love the, the part where God says to Moses, the people that you brought out of Egypt. And then Moses is like, no the people that you brought out of Egypt. (laughs) I love that little bicker, that little back and forth-ness. I was just thinking about that. It was like the first time, because I had read it beforehand, and then when you were saying it, I'm like, huh, that's really funny. (laughs) It is funny. I don't know what that means. I don't know (laughs) the the ramifications of that. It's cool. I think <laughs> it's it ter- yeah, it's, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny to me that that God would say that, you know, because all along it was Moses was simply representing God. It was God that got them out of Israel. You know, that's that's like written out so plainly. And then he's like, "Your people that you brought out of Egypt," <laughs> as if Moses would have had the ability on his right, own. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And it's scary to think if God thinks of us that way. Yeah. It's really easy to be like, yeah, it's all God and giving him the glory. But and I don't know if people actually do that. But in on that one track mm-hmm. mind, when you're thinking about it, you're not considering mm-hmm. the flip side of your responsibilities, I guess. Yeah. And how God might look at you because of and look to you for your responsibilities. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's yeah, it's it's a crazy concept. I don't I mean, want my words to seem foolish. Well, there, I'm not saying that 
yeah, God's looking to you for anything, but just that how God looks at us. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I trust that yeah, you I know. Think... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't did that on that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it, yeah, it's it's important to express yourself yeah. properly. I feel like there's already been so many times where I'm like, I guarantee people thought that I meant something completely different. Well, that's that's what life, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's pretty inevitable, especially with a podcast. Yeah. But I think that was probably the <laughs> biggest one where we were like, okay, l- this story makes me want to f- fish out all of the how to move God's heart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was like the, the first story that came to mm-hmm, mind. That brought... That was just like such a an embodiment of that concept, yeah. and I think it is for a lot of people. It's a pretty it's a pretty hardcore mm-hmm. moment. So, yeah, Moses had many some, <laughs> yeah, many amazing hardcore moments. But yeah, because I mean, he he was called the friend of God. You know, God called Moses the friend of God. Yeah, and that's there's not a lot of instances where he says that. Like he. He describes his people in different ways. Like David, he never, I don't, and I could be wrong. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm not aware, or at least I don't remember a time that God called David a friend of God, but Mm -hmm. he consistently called him a man after God's own heart, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think those little differences matter. Like Moses was truly a friend of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that this ease of conversation that you have here really shows that and i i love the fact that he reasoned with him you know he's like well what are the egyptians gonna say mm-hmm. don't give them a reason to say that you just brought them out to kill them you yeah. know yeah and just like that the idea of reasoning with god is so bizarre to me i can't fathom of that i don't think many of us are on moses's level with that i think well just you know i think daniel's approach will make a little bit more <laughs> more sense would be a little bit more relatable or even like Habakkuk that which we had brought up in another podcast and like just in his interceding as well Mm -hmm. and then his behavior towards it was more the approach that I think is more appropriate for most of us which is like all right so I'm gonna wait here and get and wait to be corrected because I know that I'm kind of yes I I know that I'm kind of maybe out of line, I guess, to say, to be questioning God mm-hmm. and his timing, but, or wondering yeah. where he is. Yeah. And that was really moving. I know that moved the both of us was, you know, he, he set himself out, I think, was it on the bulwark or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, silenced himself to listen and was like, and waited to be corrected. Yeah. That was really... That was really powerful. I think um, it's it's a pretty similar thing that Daniel does here. I have uh, Daniel in chapter 9, verses 16 through 19. And the beginning of this chapter, Daniel describes um, the fast that he did and the way that he presented himself to God. And the beginning of it is love his um recounting what he had said was the the first thing was that he confessed the sins of himself and he confessed the sins of the people israel 
and he describes the punishments that God was wreaking out on them, you know, the, the circumstances that they were in, which at this time were pretty horrible. And he describes them as being just punishments from God because of what they had done. And um, that really preluded his cry here. And I thought that was really important. So starting in verse 16, O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. Because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations, and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. One thing that really struck me consistently with Daniel, I really want to reread the book of Daniel. I haven't, I shamefully have not read that in a very long time. And throughout this chapter that I read, I think I read the whole chapter uh, before I picked out this little bit that I wanted to read. But one thing that really shamed me is how much Daniel associates himself with his people. And I think I very arrogantly have attempted to separate myself and my mind from the sins of the people around me, which is so foolish because I know so many of the ways that I participate in them. And the humility of Daniel that everything is us, we, you know, he, he consistently associates himself with the people around him. Even though when you read Daniel, you know that Daniel was very different from his people, very different from the people around him because he was very devoted to God. And yet he never allows himself that, that ego and that arrogance that he's somehow set apart or different from them. And I, I was really moved by that and shamed mm -hmm. by that. And that's something, that story and that concept is something that God's been bringing up to me a lot lately. Mm -hmm. That I, I need to, I think, um, just not have that arrogance to, to separate myself like that. You know, I, I think my prayers would probably be a bit more effective. <laughs> it's It's not... It's not easy, especially when you're if you get tired and you feel like you're carrying it in a sort in a way, if you're burdened by it too much. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, we can't we can't always bring ourselves to the point where we're not associating with the church or our hearts aren't praying and interceding for the church. Because Daniel yeah. was also a, he was the man who was between the people and God. He was, he was that, he was doing that intercessory, intercessory like 
That was his job. That was his calling. Yeah. And as as we're all called to that now. That's all yeah. of our jobs now as disciples. And mm-hmm. the thoughts running away from me, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I because and a, a concept that I think both of us have been uh, reprimanded on and that we've both been discussing so much throughout these podcasts is like playing the lone wolf and how much in scripture we are commanded to be a flock and we are commanded to be sheep following Christ and Christ alone. And I think each and every one of us has this ability I mean, we all have the same access to God. We have the level of access to God that Christ had because we we have Christ representing us. He's on our, you know, uh, addressing God on our behalf. So we have that level of access. So, of course, we have this level of access that Daniel had to repent on behalf of his entire nation. And I think a really big part of it was him associating himself with the people around him or his people at least um obviously he was he was in the i don't know if he was in the palace per se but he was um i don't know what the word is uh the the king had lots of visions there's lots of visions at this time uh of history and the king was having lots of visions. Daniel consistently had lots of visions. And so he was an interpreter of those visions. So he was in the courts. So he wasn't necessarily um, allying himself with with the, uh, the people that they were under their rule. I can't remember what people were. I should have done a little more research, clearly. Okay, <laughs> I meant <sorry>. to. <laughs> um, we, we have... A- honestly another big bulk of scripture so it's totally fine but yeah um i think the context of daniel is implied enough to uh, his his status because it is the old testament as well and guys that are on that time had pretty weighty callings yeah but i think he what he was like I don't know if they considered him like the just a prophet or like the interpreter, but he did, if I remember him and I'm not confusing him with anybody else, did live in the palace too as mm-hmm. like the kings or whatever his title was as his main. Yeah, I don't know if it's advisor or something. I just, I can't think of the, the title and I can't think of the name of the people that they were living under. And I don't know why I can't. It's like right on the tip of my tongue. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm fumbling and taking up time trying to remember that stuff. That's but the stuff, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but my point being, he was associating himself with his people, which were the Israelites. And he repented on their behalf. And in the rest of the chapter, shortly after this, um, the angel Gabriel comes to him. And gives him a vision and explains to him that vision, what it is, and what it is is it's basically it's the plan for the future, what's going to happen to um, 
the king and and his people and how that's going to affect the Israelites and how that's eventually it leads to their um to their freedom from these people that had conquered them and were owning them at this point. So in essence, his prayer gets answered. And this is that story that we had referenced, uh, in a, I don't know, a few times in a couple different podcasts where, uh, Gabriel comes to him and says, the moment you prayed, I was sent out, but it took time. And that's a really important concept that I wanted to, to bring up as well. I'm glad you did. The prayer was answered immediately, but there's so much in the heavens and in the spiritual realm that we don't see, and oftentimes we don't see the effects of, but those things can delay prayers. Like that's that's pretty well spelled out in the Bible that these things can delay your prayers, but that doesn't mean they stop them. It's just that things need to happen in order for your your prayer to get answered. And so you see that in the rest of the chapter. What it was. I was going to say, um, I'm really glad that you brought that up because um, we're bringing up examples where this happens now. But um, we're gonna, I'm gonna bring out some examples to use as like evidence for faith and boldness and prayer being very effective mm-hmm. when it comes to being before God. It's actually pretty required if you want to get any kind of answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But having the faith that God hears it, and it's not like a rule wheel where I don't know if he heard it or not, (laughs) but being bold and being confident. Yeah, and it can often. Yeah, and bringing the scripture into your prayer and believing that it's been received. Like when Mm -hmm. we say amen, amen means it is done. We say that in faith, saying yeah. it is done. The thing that I asked for, God heard it. His will is going to be done. Um, and I'll go into more of that later because we don't always pray within the will of God. <laughs> but yeah, that just because right. it's not you have not because you ask yeah. not, and you have you know, and you um, don't receive what you ask because you ask amiss. Yeah, I have know? that. There, there are boundaries of what you should be asking for yeah yep paul says that it's really important (laughs) for yeah for understanding what's going on in your prayer life but it's not instantaneous we have to be patient and we have to remain faithful and a lot of the times god's pretty much just waiting to see if you're going to remain faithful and not lose your cool Mm. because that's a big tester for a lot of us i think It's like, how faithful are you really? Do you believe in the words that I said? Or is it because it didn't happen the moment you asked, you're going to turn away and put your nose up to it? God isn't a genie in a bottle. Exactly, exactly. And I think that that's a big thing that I heard in a sermon recently and it's been really affecting me lately is that truth that if you're not reading and devoting yourself to the will of God, you're going to be praying outside of it all the time because you're not in alignment because your eye is not fixed on him. And doing that was going to radically change the effect that you have on moving the heart of God. Yeah, that's, that's, um, 
that's actually a concept that I felt was really brought up in uh, the last story that I just read. And I, I actually wanted to talk about where it says here, For we do not present our supplication before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. And I think we've talked so much because I, I we both feel that it's, it's really lacking um, in being talked about is how much we need to do for the sake of our own faith and the, you know, the deeds that we have to do, the way that we have to live our lives, the, the dedication and the discipline that we need to have. And I don't want it to be skewed and people think that we're like, you have to earn your salvation type of nonsense. Like, no, the only reason that God forgives us is because he has great mercy. It's his great mercies and it's his great forgiveness that we all have any chance at all. But what we talk about when we're talking about the absolute necessity of being consistently in the word, of taking care of the um, company that you keep, the words that you're saying, the things you're joking about, making sure that you're in the word, having that constant inflow of, of truth because you're constantly having inflow of untruth and to make sure that you're devoting yourselves and having that discipline. And that's be for, that's on our behalf. Like that's for us that we need to do that. We don't do those things in hopes that we're going to earn God's favor because we're never going to earn God's favor. We do those things to maintain ourselves to where we like what you're saying to where we're asking for the proper things to where when we're in prayer, we have the faith because we've maintained it for ourselves in our lives. We've worked up our faith to pray the prayer of faith, but also to be praying for the proper things, to be living our lives in the proper ways. And that's not the things that we do, you know, like that's not necessarily to move the heart of God because it's God well, you can't serve mm, you can't it, serve but... two masters, right? You know, why would right. why one, why would our behaviors be in line with God if we're not actively trying to be that way? And two, why mm -hmm. would God humor us, I guess, if we're not what would that say about him? It would just say that we can act however we want and God's still gonna answer, and that's not true. That's just not true. Yeah. Um that would undermine any sense yeah. of justice. And when, when we were talking about like acceptable worship and how the true way that we live and worship is the way we live and the way that we serve God and mm -hmm. that the way that we are faithful to him as well. And you mm -hmm. have to do this to move his heart. Mm -hmm. And I have here um, just Lamentations 3.22. It's through the lord's mercies we are not consumed because compa because his compassions fail not so no it's not mm. us but yeah if we're not being faithful servants why mm -hmm. and i was also just gonna say you know you can't live off of food alone you know yeah out of er like out of every word of of god's where, where to live. That's supposed to be like food for us. Your spiritual mm -hmm. life, that new being will die if you do not feed it. Your eyes will be yeah. closed. 
your your body will be corrupt and you won't be in a place where your life belongs to God. I won't mean our lives belong to God no matter what. It's just that we we steal it. <laughs> we live like we yeah. are God and that's not yeah, how it's God, to be. Yeah, God God gave us the ability to to serve him and so we have the ability to not serve him. Does he still own us? Of course he does. But that doesn't mean you're serving him. So, yeah, I, ju I just wanted to bring out, because I think it's so heavy on both of our hearts, like the the things that we have to do in order to walk this walk. I don't want people to think that we're saying, like, your deeds are going to earn God's forgiveness, because, no, we see very plainly here, it's not because of our righteous deeds, but because of his great mercies that we even have a chance at mercy. But you still have to present yourself in a proper way. There's still a way to go about things and to live your life. And you're not going to know what that is. And you're not going to be able to align yourself and to have, to, you're not going to be able to pray the prayer of faith. And you're not going to be able to pray properly if you're not constantly in the word, remembering, finding out, constantly um, refining what God's will is and what his plan for your life is. Um, I will move on to Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs from which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. That's one of my absolute favorite stories in the Bible. Just the humility to be able to say that. You know, it was, it was obvious she meant that. You know, she was truly, she knew that she, what she was asking, and she knew it was a big ask, because she understood that Jesus was there for the Jews, that he wasn't, there were very few people outside of the Jews that Jesus healed or did anything with, because per, per the Old Testament covenant, God sent salvation to the Jews first. And then from there, it went to everyone else. And it wasn't until after Jesus had... Yeah, it wasn't until um, Jesus was resurrected and went back to heaven that the the uh, the command went out for the rest of us to be brought into the fold, you know? And just the humility that she didn't resent that, even in the slightest. You know, I, I can't say that I would have been that humble in that situation. I don't know. Maybe I would have if my daughter was severely demon-possessed. But it just it strikes me every time. It's like it's hard for me not to cry every time I read that story because it's just 
so beautiful. And it kind of ties in with what we're talking about with acceptable worship too. You know, she falls at her feet and worships him. And then she just exemplifies this humility and that humility that I, I was struck again with Daniel, just the humility to associate himself with where he truly belonged. You know, he was an Israelite. You know, who who am I so arrogant to think that I'm, you know, any different than anyone else around me? Like having the humility and the reality to understand your place and to seek the Lord in that place. And that's just such a beautiful thing that we even have that right. And just every everything about that, you know, it to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she says, yes, Lord. You know, that's the first thing she says. Yes, that's right. It would be wrong to take the bread and throw it to the little dogs. But even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. That's a that's a lot of faith and that's a lot of humility. Mm, big faith makes big moves. <laughs> God yes, honors good big faith like that. Um, it's It's a great mirror image of what Moses did as well, which was just, yeah, the whole reason we're doing this is moving the heart of God and Mm -hmm. the ability that we have just as his creation that he loves his compassion for us yeah the the ability that we have to remind God of his promises to remind him of his blessings to acknowledge that his judgments are just and to still ask him to show mercy. The fact that we have the right to do that is just beyond me. I'm always, I'm being reminded more that how unworthy and how deserving of death we all are. I am that I am. And that even while we were sinners, he came and died so that we could have a way that he's done all this so that we could have a way home back to him. I have such a love for justice because justice is justice protects people. That's what it's there for. And to me, it's the backbone and the foundation of any kind of love. If you would not seek justice on behalf of what you love, then you don't love it. So I think I've always had such a keen sense of justice and judgment and being at peace with the fact that I deserve to be killed for who I am and what I am and and my sins. And I've, I see that a lot with society, you know, I I associate, not associate, but I uh, relate a little bit more to Jonah where I'm like, just let it, just let it burn. Just let it burn. Why not? that it's what each and every one of us deserves. And I, I really think that I would be willing to let myself be destroyed for the sake of justice, because I've always just had such a keen love of it. And I think that along with what I spoke of, that arrogance of me setting myself apart from the people around me and, and from the sins around me, take that and then mix that with not having enough of a heart to seek mercy for myself and for the people around me. 
And that's something God's really been convicting me on and telling me that I'm wrong and that I need to, I need to seek out his mercy and his love of mercy more. Cause I think that's something that I've, I've not appreciated enough. And I think you, I think people have a tendency to pick either mercy or justice and decide which one makes more sense to them and which one they pursue. And, you know, obviously I just said that like justice is the one that makes more sense to me, but it's like one is made that much more beautiful because of the other. And I think God is equal parts justice and equal parts mercy. Constantly throughout his scripture, he speaks on the importance of both. And I, I know that I need to comprehend his mercy and I need to associate myself with the people around me more so that I can seek out mercy both on my behalf and on their behalf. And I, I just, I really feel this conviction with the story of Daniel, the fact that he was able to save his entire people because he was willing to associate himself with their sin, humble himself, fast and pray. And God, God answered him. And in that, in that moment, that was the other thing. I just remembered the other thing I wanted to bring up when I was talking about Daniel and I couldn't remember when Gabriel addresses him and tells him that his prayer was answered immediately. He tells Daniel that he's beloved. And that I just, I think that's so beautiful. And each and every one of us is beloved. It's so easy to look at people like Moses and Daniel and these people who lived in much more difficult times. They didn't have the Bible. They didn't even have the law and the prophets because they were the law and the prophets writing them out. You know, they, they had so little and yet they lived so much more devoted to our God than I would say that I ever have. And so it's so easy to be like, well, of course they're beloved, but Jesus has called each and every one of us beloved. Each and every one of us has this access and we need to, I know that I need to associate myself with the people around me a little bit more and to remember that they are beloved and remember that I am beloved. And even though we serve a God of justice and even though that justice exists so that love can exist, so does mercy. And I think that that's something that I just need to seek out a little bit more in my own personal walk. And having read the story uh, that I just read in Matthew, it reminded me of this story in Luke. Are you still with me, Cassia? I am. I just have a fussy one, so I'm... Okay, no. <laughs> You're good. I just wanted to make sure it didn't kick us out because it's done that. It has. No, I'm still here. Okay, so diving into Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And he spake a parable, this is Jesus speaking, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, 
Yet because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming to me she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, the Son of Man cometh. Shall we? Shall he find faith on the earth? And so I, I had asked you to um, snag this scripture for me because you offered to copy and paste. I just, I type everything out, which is very time consuming. But in this, we are commanded to pray always, to not faint. And the way that I see this parable is we're called to pray repetitively until we see a result. We're not just supposed to pray and be like, well, if God answers, he answers. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. I think we're meant to pray continuously and to seek out the scriptures and make sure that we are praying properly. Because it says here, he he gives us example of this judge who doesn't fear God. He has no regard for man. He So he, he doesn't fear any judgment on his judgments. And um, this widow comes to him and is like, avenge me of my adversary, somebody that was consistently doing her wrong or had done her wrong. And she's saying, get justice for me. You're the judge. Get justice for me. And at first he's disregarding her. He doesn't care. But after a while he says, just for the sake of the fact that she won't leave me alone, I will do what she asks of me. And so Jesus says here, how much more will your God do for you who loves you, who truly has a sense of justice, who truly has a sense of um, what is right and what is wrong? How much more will he do for you? He will avenge his own elect who cry to him day and night. And it says, and even, even though he bears long with them, it says he will avenge them speedily. And then I love that it ends with the son of man is coming. He has come. Will he find faith on the earth? <laughs> that part makes me sad. <laughs> Nevertheless. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Even though that, uh, you know, I bear along with you and I, and I answer speedily. Nevertheless, when I come, will I find faith on earth? Uh, mm. I sure hope so. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I sure hope you do. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and yes. that's my... My intercessory prayer that, Lord, yes, please find faith on earth. Be with us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Cultivate your, the seeds that are planted and be there in people's hearts to be soft towards you. Yeah. I, I hope so much for repentance in revival. I see it coming. Oh, absolutely. I think... The days are getting so evil that I think it's, um, I mean, it's forcing people to choose. And I see, I see so much strength and I see so much faith in the works, in this next generation, in the, you know, the people that are just a bit younger than us. God told me that there's, there's something working there in secret and for every crazy thing that keeps on happening in the past few years, every time I'm just reminded that it's creating a refined and a more powerful people mm. and 
their prayer and in their spirituality. And I'm, I'm just so excited to see it. He told me that it was hidden and that it's going to be hidden for a long time, you know, and it's so easy to feel like it's nowhere to be seen, but it no, is. It really is. People are truly turning to Christ. There's definitely a refinement going on. There's a lot of opportunity. There is a ripe opportunity for people who are going to be very on fire and very faithful to God because of purely just the things that he will deliver them from. Because we look at the mm-hmm. amount of evil and we know that that's not just happening without light God doing something. Mm-hmm. God's definitely doing something. He has he has a remnant and that's for sure. Hopefully it's here. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it's here with yes. us as well. Yeah, for all his mercy, he's not forsaking justice. I think, you know, my mind is always like, ah, oh, what just just bring justice on behalf of these people, you know. But then I think there's so many people that need to be reminded that for all of his justice, he's not forsaking mercy either. There's always there's always a chance to come back and to find God's mm-hmm. mercy. No matter where you are or what you've done, there's always a chance to come back. And it's so easy. I know I know you and I have talked about it a lot. Um and I've definitely been feeling it again because I've been I've been so lousy spiritually. Is it's like when something bad happens or you're feeling bad and you go to pray and then like you feel guilty to pray. You're like, who am I to pray right now? Because like, look how, how much I've neglected the scriptures and look how much I've neglected my prayer life. It's a trap from the enemy. That is a trap. That is nothing short of a lie. No matter where you are or what you've done, you are always welcome back. Always. One of the, and that's yeah. One of the things that I've been, listening to one of the guys who's saying that that people say like oh the the unseen the spiritual realm is just as real as our realm I'm like it's like that mm-hmm. could not be farther from the truth the unseen and spiritual realm is more real than what we see god tells us that we can't trust even what we see which is funny because, yeah. because everyone because... in the world is like unless i see it i'm not gonna i don't see it so i don't believe yeah. it i'm like uh. Yeah, your your sight is reliant on your mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've noticed, but nothing is more treacherous than your own mind. <laughs> nothing will lie to you faster than your own mind yeah. and your own perception. The, so it's like, of course, you can't rely on what you the see. The enemy can have such a way with your flesh. And that's why God talks about like our eyes and our spiritual eyes and them being the window and why those eyes need to be on God and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because we took a we took a break from recording last week, and I was just gonna say that like breaking away from that consistent study that we were doing, mm-hmm. like even as weak as it was, I definitely fell asleep spiritually. Oh, my word, I did too. Bad, really bad. I slipped back into yeah, some ways bad. and I'm like, why? What am I doing here? And I can feel God saying that mm-hmm. too. And I'm like, I really don't know why. <laughs> like, I can feel yeah. that slavery coming back in being like, mm-hmm. I being a slave to things that I shouldn't be a slave to. 
And it's because I broke away from being in the scripture. And when God finally like pulled me out of it and I could, I felt awake again, he was, I could see in new ways for like the first time that, that uncontestable truth that when we bring scripture into prayer and we really let God's word teach us how to be with him and before him, that's the reformation that brings us into that new being and that we can move the heart of God when we, when we do these things. You said that like mm-hmm. reminding him of who he is almost, which it's not what we're yeah. doing, but he loves yeah, we're, to we're commanded to do. Yeah. That. He loves to see his, he tells us to remind his them. people. Um, he loves to see us. I think he wants to see that we know. And yes. it's not that because constantly looking for boldness in myself or faith in myself, like, oh, no, it's not there because every good thing comes from God. And when these problems come up, I'm like, oh, my goodness, the scripture is there. The Holy Spirit is literally right there telling me the scripture. And how can he do that if I'm not in the scripture? So here I am exactly. suddenly being like. Oh, here it is. Here's the thing I've been waiting for. And it's because I finally sat down and did the thing that yep. the, the nonsensical, what everyone tells you to do. And that's to eat this scroll, just mm-hmm. dive into scripture and live it out. And it's such a breath of fresh air. And I want people to yep. be in that. I want people to have that again. And I want the church to have that breath of life and to have their eyes open that we can have discernment in, in all ways in in spiritual ways and unseen ways because that mm. is the lost thing that's on the church which is such a shame because that's where we're supposed to be that's where our eyes are supposed yeah. to be set consistent diving excuse me into the scripture is really the baseline for existence it's the absolute foundation to everything mm. and if you're not maintaining that foundation then everything else is going to fall apart and um like you're saying just just a week you know i for a little context i was sick you can probably still hear it in my voice a little bit and your husband was sick so our last podcast had been really long so we were like ah let's just break it in two and let's not record this week um and just that little break from not doing this pick a topic and dive into it and let's see what the scriptures tell us. You know, we're not looking to prove our point by picking nitpicking the perfect little scriptures. Like the desire is that we pick a topic and we say, okay, either I feel very strongly about this or I feel like I really don't know about this, which was my case with uh, worship. And we're like, let's dive into it and figure out what the scriptures say about it. And just having taken one week off of that we we were both yeah it wasn't good we both had a very hard time and being sick i wasn't reading the bible every night like i should be and um i definitely felt the effects of it like you said it just you just find yourself dallying with the same things that you shouldn't be dallying with and you're like how am i here again (laughs) Uh, how am i here right now like come on 
I know better than this. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> like uh, Obi Wan. It's like, wait a minute, <laughs> we're smarter than this. Yeah, no <laughs> you just like catch yourself. Yeah, just one week of of not consistently being in the scripture and just all of the chaos that came from it. <sighs> Praise God that He's merciful. I'm so I'm so incredibly thankful, and I'm so incredibly yeah. thankful for the people around me too, that God is, is merciful. Yes. And I think it's because you were saying that like needing to find that new breath of mercy to want to have mercy too. Mm-hmm. And for me, what does it is I think God, because he said that in that scripture, you said that he bears along with us and he knows this is a hard fight and there are things going on that we do not see. There are battles going on that we do not see and we need to see them to know and to have confidence. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it ties in with um, what you were saying. And I feel bad because we haven't even touched your scriptures yet and you have so many good and that's ones. Okay. There's going to, I'm gonna probably going gonna... to be a long one. And that's okay. I'll sh- it's, it's, there's a lot of like uh, boops and bops in the, first part that I can shave down so our thoughts seem a little bit more connected ha ha okay. demons oh. ha ha I have posted <laughs> edit and I can present in one second I don't want concerned that's how I feel right now yeah so it don't it doesn't yeah. matter people like long podcasts anyway who cares <laughs> yeah I mean when, once you're really into the concept you don't really care that it's yeah long. but I think I think like um, you had said, having the confidence, and I think, I guess that's the thing for me is not feeling the confidence in mercy mm-hmm. and not feeling the confidence to ask for mercy for those around mm-hmm. me. And there was a time when I really had that. There was a time I was very heavy in intercessory prayer and I know I had a lot of success in it. And I think if if I really had to boil it down and try and create like a simple definition of what my calling is in life, which I don't really agree with that. I don't like it when people are like, oh, this is my particular gift and this is my particular calling. And then they just confine themselves to that. And it's like, yes, that may be like the the major thrust of it, but that's not like, just don't confine yourself like that. But if I had to confine myself like that, I would say that my quote unquote calling in life would be intercessory prayer. And I will confess that I have grossly neglected that for over a year now. But, like, I... Intercessory prayer is humbling yourself, fasting and praying and beseeching God for his mercy on others' behalf. And the fact that I find myself so far away from that at this point in life, looking at... And that that ties in with... um, the influence of media that we're going to talk to at some point. I think so much with all of the the struggles, like the political conversations and everything, and just looking at the absolute filth that we're living in here in America. Like, it's so easy that my mind just wants justice, even though it's it genuinely comes from a place of love, like, because I want to protect the people that are being violated by all of this. God consistently says that the the way to go about it is to pursue mercy 
and to pursue gentleness. And I'm being, you know, very convicted that I need to remember that I need to get back to that place and get into that intercessory prayer. And it's having that confidence that we see here, Mm. that, that confidence to, to seek him out and to say, we are wrong. I am wrong. Look at my sin. Look at everybody's sin. Your judgment right now would be very just. And yet, because of your abundant mercy, I'm asking you for mercy. Mm -hmm. And to have that heart again, I need to get back to that. Mm. I was in, uh, I found myself in Philippians a lot. I don't know if it was just because I happened to be in there and I was just seeing things because that's what I was looking for. Um, but he, so he, Paul writes to them and he said they had sent him, um, help. They sent him help even, even though he was far away because he was in need. And he said, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having received from Epaphroditus. I think that's how you say his name. The gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. When we help those who are in need, when we help out the children of God and we we do what he says and love our neighbor the way we ought to, mm-hmm. there is great reward in that. And it and it definitely yes. puts us in a place to to easily sway God's heart and be like, yes, I'll do this for you. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, and that's that's something <clears throat> that our grandmother has actually taught on a lot. I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, yeah, because she she has a lot of um, experience in that concept. Is the fact that it really is just a law of nature of God's nature, the more you give, the more you will receive. Um, our, our grandparents have, were, have been missionaries their entire lives. They're retired now because they're in their late seventies, but, and still they wish they weren't, they just know they can't, (laughs) they can't keep up with it anymore, but they were missionaries. And so often when people would like donate things to the church, and my grandmother would just distribute it. I know uh, one story in particular that she's told in um, in connection to this concept is they would they would have uh, a place where, where people would donate clothing, and then they would give it out on when they were on the Navajo reservation. And um, she couldn't keep up with it. It got to the point that it was literally in the way of the ministry because there was so much donation and there was so much need that they were distributing to. She, she prayed and was like, Lord, this is, this is getting ridiculous. I could spend my entire days, seven days a week doing this. And he said, charge them a penny for a bag of clothing. And my grandmother, so she started charging them a penny for a bag of clothing and the uh, inflow of donations started to get slower and he said it's it's law that if you give freely you will receive freely the more that we give the more we will receive like it's just a physical law of god's law god's nature 
and the, she had like lots of stories explaining mm-hmm. just how true that was and the mm-hmm. <laughs> just the the fact that it got so so bad to the point that she was like god help i need help this needs to stop <laughs> It's so funny. It's such a wonderful like, thing. It's a wonderful prayer to have. Yeah. Imagine having, yeah, imagine having so much, so much benefit that it becomes cumbersome. <laughs> that's, that's insane. Um, it was funny because also in Philippians, um, he was talking about that Epaphroditus. And it says, for he, Epaphroditus, had been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Uh, and I titled this, Move the Heart of God and Heal Your Friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yep. If you live that kind of life, you know, just be like, Lord, please don't do this. It's going to break my heart and be like, you're right. I don't want I don't want your heart to be broken. And he will certainly. Uh, yeah, that's his nature. Mm-hmm. You know, it says um, when I was talking about Jesus, it said a broken reed, a, a bent reed. Will he not break mm-hmm. you know, or a bruised reed? I think it was mm-hmm. You know, even just a grass that's bent and bruised he would rather heal it than just to break it off and start anew you know i do have that i have one that says our sorrow moves the heart of god and this is luke 7 11 through 15 and um i actually have the first part of this as well but i'll do this one first and it said soon afterward he went into town called nain or i think that's well yeah nain (laughs) And his disciples and a great cl- and a great crowd went to him. As he drew near the- to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died had been carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a, cons- and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. And then he came and touched the bear, or like the coffin, and the bear and the bearer mm-hmm. stood still, and he said, "Young man, I say to you, arise." And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus and Jesus gave him to his mother. No one asked him to do that. No, nope. she didn't say anything to him. But he had compassion. He just saw the situation. He was just like, "Yep, I know that woman's heart. I know what's what's breaking in her heart right now." And he just had compassion. Yeah. I'm sure she wasn't just nobody. I'm sure that she probably did have some form of faith. I don't know how these things always go or that he knew that this kind of outcome would lead her to the kingdom, her and her son, and others who would see it. Mm-hmm. So that's the yeah. uh, the other second fold of everything God does is that it has ramifications beyond what we could ever imagine. Yes. For good, for the good. And that's what is amazing. Mm-hmm. So just before this, in that story in Luke, was the centurion's plea for his servant. And Jesus went with them after he asked him to come to his house. 
And he was not far off from the house when the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am unworthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let thy servant and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes. And to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned to the crowd that followed him, and said, I tell you, not in Israel have I found such faith. And, and when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Bold faith moves the heart of God. Just saying that to him, yes. like, I know that you have authority because I have authority and I know how it works. So if you just say the word, it's mm -hmm. going to be done. And God was just like, boom. And I do that sometimes now even. I, I say that. Even with, like, the woman who had a loss of blood for all those years and she went and touched his mm -hmm. robe and he was like, who was that? Who touched me? And just that, her faith in that moment. And I always say mm -hmm. that, Lord, Lord, if it's your will, I know it doesn't take much. Not even a sway of your eye and it can be done. So if it is your yeah. will, please just let it be done. And God loves hearing it. He loves yes. hearing that you know him. And having, having that boldness, like you say. And I think one theme that really stood out to me as well is mixed with that boldness to, I think, address God as, as the incredible being that he is. There's also this, like, very consistent theme of humbling yourself. Oh, yes. You know <laughs> that he is much greater than you and, you, and you're, it makes you, it helps him know that you know. Not that that's really yeah. true, but for us, that's how we would perceive it is that, okay, I know that you know my status over yours and that you are in the full light of I am God, your creator. <laughs> you like that? That was a beautiful little Emmy sneeze. <laughs> you think so? That's a pretty good one. That was so cute. <laughs> little Emmy sneezes. Um... I have another one in Luke 7, um, and I have this one. I said, our love moves the heart of God. So then turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, because this is when he's sitting with some of the Pharisees, and the woman comes in and starts anointing his feet, and they're saying things in their heart. So he says this to Simon. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She didn't, she didn't, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has forgiven little loves little. Mm. He who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So this is a woman who has a lot of love and who worships and and acts out that worship towards God with love for him. And I think probably just in her life as well. And I think 
when we imitate that part of God and we are merciful and we are loving towards those he loves, just even if it's just purely because we know he loves them, mm-hmm. that there, there are many mercies in that. Yeah. It moves his heart deeply, those kinds of things. Yeah. And it was quite bold of her to do that. Yeah, she just broke into this place. She was just like, I'm going to anoint the Lord no matter what. (laughs) Yeah, she wasn't invited to dinner, I'm sure. She's a prostitute. And she just... Well, that's not confirmed. That's that's supposed. Oh, is it? Sorry. Yeah. No, it's, it's okay. It's a very, very widely supposed thing. Like, there's plenty of evidence for it, but that's not said, you know, anywhere. So Well... But, sinful woman. Um, yeah, she was a sinful woman for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, she was. She had so humbled herself before the Lord that she found that boldness in Him. And I think that's what happens when you humble yourself to your sins. You find that boldness to address God because your boldness is found in him. Exactly, yeah. And she had that boldness to go into that place to a dinner she wasn't invited to to anoint the feet of her lord because he was worthy of it and it was that simple. And I think just like what we've been saying too is that it's that for me it's the scripture that gives me the boldness because it tells me to be mm-hmm. and I say it when I'm praying and I get fearful and I get and I start to question my 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 words and my placement, I guess, where I'm putting myself. And I'm just like, no, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of confidence. And this is how you want me to be. You want me to boldly approach your throne. Yes. And equipping myself with that, or even just reading it and allow and creating a foothold for the Holy Spirit to come in and remind me of it yeah. is what does it. Yeah, because... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Exactly. It's, it's, it's so simple. And it really is the backbone. I've, I can't say it enough. I've been saying it (laughs) so (laughs) much for the past few years, because I know, I remember when I was, um, I guess probably like a preteen or whatever, and growing up in a family of ministers and, and my grandparents being missionaries and stuff, you know, and they would talk of the times that God would tell them something and speak to them. And I was like, well, I want that. Like, I want to hear from God myself. And I was like, how do I, how do I get there? And I, I really sought it out. And it took me a long time to realize the simplicity of simply reading mm-hmm. the Bible. And thankfully, that's what I did mm-hmm. to try and understand it. Because I was like, well, where else are you going to go? You know, I read the Bible very consistently in my teen years. I have not done so well of that in my adult years, and I need to fix that. Um, But very, very consistently in my teen years, I read the Bible. And I worked on learning how to pray very consistently. And it really is that simple. Just reading the Bible consistently and praying consistently. That's really all it boils down to and like it took me a while to realize like that's what it was that's it it's that simple you know even though those were the things I went to because those are the only things I knew Mm -hmm. because that's what it is but I didn't realize that like oh I am in fact 
doing the right like I was constantly looking for the next thing to do which I think is good to do that but I think it really took um going through some of the situations that I've been through in the past few years and realizing that the only thing that got me through them was all of those years that I spent as a teenager in the word and learning the heart of God because there were times where my mind was so foggy and my memory had gotten so messed up from some of the, the I guess the sickness that I was dealing with would be the simplest way of putting it. That the only thing that I was really aware of was the concepts that I had learned through being in the scriptures constantly. And it really just hit me like, that's the foundation to everything is being in the scriptures. Because I never would have survived without that. I think it's really interesting, you know, when we were looking into worship and we we're realizing there was a really set um, process that was really consistent with how they would like enter into worship with like the offering. And then there's a really effective way of praying similarly. Yeah. And that is starting with praise and thankfulness. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things um, that praise and thanksgiving moves the heart of God. And I have Philippians four, four through seven, which is rejoice in the Lord rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I think that really embodies everything. The Lord God has a hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be Mm -hmm. made known to God. So supplication with thanksgiving is a big part to letting our requests be being known to God. Now, when Mm -hmm. we pray and we're praying to move the heart of God, (coughs) excuse me, um, our thankfulness to him makes a difference. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. He demands praise <clears throat> a lot and he hates complaining. Oh, I've got, I don't, don't you worry. <laughs> I got scriptures on that. <laughs> but I wanted, oh, okay. <laughs> I wanted to um, just spit fire through some of um, the Our Boldness Moves the Heart of God that I found. Mm-hmm. And which was the, the, in Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So these, we know from the beginning of Acts that yes, this was a time where they were being extremely bold. And it was their unity and boldness that, created a situation where the Holy Spirit could do something that crazy that that they were shaken with the Holy Spirit and filled in that way unity unity and boldness really do accomplish that yeah I also have um, 1 John 5 5 14 
and that is and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us mm. and that okay confidence what why be double-minded we're warned of that also i didn't i could Anyway, oh, and hi, my camera's on. Mm -hmm. Hi. No. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, I don't even know where I was anyway. <clears throat> what I was saying anymore. Um, yeah, you're talking about the boldness yeah. in your approach to God, but. Which we've already said a bajillion times anyway, so I'll just go on. I'll just go on to Proverbs twenty-eight one. And that says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Mm. And I love that the wicked flee when no one pursues. Kind of like Yeah. The wicked are so feeble that even when there's no real persecution, they'll flee just out of yep. fear that there will be but the righteous stand mm -hmm. bold and they hold on to it no matter what comes at them and that's hard but and that's what you need to do. yeah i think that's something that like if you're alive and have paid attention <laughs> you can yeah. go for that <laughs> you know what i mean like there's so much evidence of that it's not even like you have to give examples you know I, that's just something that is so apparent it just it I know that it's broad and it can be applied to a lot of things, but for me, it made me think mm. of my prayer life and the reasons why maybe I don't, I won't pray or why I get up and leave prayer early is feeling like yes. I'm being persecuted by something or like I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. But if if I were truly there for it, I would be bold and I would stay and I would fight no matter what. And God's looking for that. And I know that he is because that's what his scripture says. And I can have confidence in that. That's where the boldness and confidence yeah. comes from. Mm -hmm. So on the manner in which we pray and the confidence that we can have as well, because I think there's different kinds of prayer, but... um. As for an example of the kind of boldness and confidence that we can have, um, I have Matthew twenty one eighteen through 22. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig, fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. 
And he said to it, May no fruit come from you ever again. And the fig, the, the fig tree withered away at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, Hi. <laughs> they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive, if you have faith. So the real subtle things that God is saying here is that if you have faith and do not doubt, if you're not double-minded when you go into your prayer and you go into it boldly, if you're not like, it's a roulette wheel and, oh, I don't know if it will happen or not. But if you just simply yep. believe that it can be, then good things will happen. Yep. And if you're ever struggling with, like, okay, so I acknowledge that that's true, and yet I still have all of this doubt. I don't have this confidence. Where do I get this confidence? Get it in the scripture. Exactly. As it said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is the source of our faith, and it's the only way to maintain it. It's the only way mm -hmm. to grow it. Um, and then you had said that I have uh, two, three. Three on how to wrongly or to not move the heart of God. So I have James 4, 1 through 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Mm. Enmity. Enmity. I don't know if there's an N in there. Enmity? Yeah. yeah. Enmity. It's weird because the N comes before the M, and usually we have the N after, but enmity. Yeah. <coughs> That's such a a wonderful scripture. James is wonderful. James has, I mean, so much about just the concepts that I feel like we foolishly wonder about are just written out so plainly in James. And this is just like no less. Like it's it's just he just so blatantly says the truth, you know. Yes. And explain so much. Yes, I agree. Hello, Emmy. She's not amused with me right now. <clears throat> no. I think the thing that uh, always um, makes me laugh is when we say something, we're like, I feel like that's true. Or like, I've experienced this. And then... I go and I read the scripture and I'm like, oh, that's that's just true. There it is, right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, we always said that about like the pastors not or overseers not having control of their own household thing. Mm-hmm. But we always said that it's just kind of like if you can't balance the two, how can you do one? How can you mm-hmm. be like, oh, actually, yeah, that is a prerequisite to being an overseer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I also have, um, if I can get through it, we'll see. Um, Proverbs 28, 9 through 10. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an, abo- is an abomination. Whoever misleads the upright into an evil way will fall into his own pit, but the blameless will have a goodly inheritance. There's a lot of other scriptures, too, that could, like, back that up. There's so much, and we're, we're going to do a podcast on that eventually, and maybe that's one that we'll use again, about misleading people and offering temptations to people, even without intending to be tempting. If you, if you are the source of a misguidance for anyone then that has such heavy repercussions better are you to have a a weight tied around your neck and thrown into the sea (laughs) as jesus puts it (laughs) yeah than to offend one of these little ones yeah we're definitely gonna dive into that because that's That's a heavy one such an important Mm -hmm. concept Mm -hmm. but just that if anyone turns away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer is an abomination so if you're actively ignoring what God tells us to do that mm-hmm. what, like I could understand that. Like, why are you praying to me? If you reject mm-hmm. my law, if you yeah. reject what I say is good and right and what I say is true, then I could see how that prayer. Absolutely. Was, yeah. And that's, and that's um, something that we've, we've talked about a lot. It's something that comes up a lot is it's like, we all fall into sin and we and more so i think we fall into complacency yeah Mm -hmm. but um when you find these situations where you hear people say or if you ever catch yourself saying yeah but it's not like i'm gonna go to hell for that now that you said that you just might yeah yeah because it's one who turns his ear away from hearing the law you know what i mean like, in that moment, you're like, mm, yeah, I know that's wrong, but I'm going to ignore it and I'm going to do it anyway and just expect God to still care, expect God to still be on my side. You know Absolutely, what I mean? Yeah. So that's um, that's what comes to mind with that. Because I think, yeah, it's so easy for us just to become complacent. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between being complacent and blatantly turning your ear away you know just kids like sticking your your fingers in your ears and not listening like oh i'm not listening i know you're saying it but i'm not listening and that's a lot different than oops i zoned out you know yeah yeah absolutely um and i just have one more which was psalm 66 16 through 19 come in here all you who fear god and i will tell you what he has done for my soul I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. 
If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He has attended to my voice. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. That's good. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Is that that this whole thing is just a perfect recipe for having a good being good yeah. in, in how you talk to God? Yeah, because it says with praise on my tongue yeah. and just that relishing iniquity or cherishing mm. it, and just being in love with sin. If that was if that was something that yeah. I was actively coveting in my heart, then why would the Lord listen to that? Yeah. And that's really hard for people to understand, you know, because there's so many situations where it was like, you know, I didn't believe in God before, but my grandmother was dying and I and I prayed and I prayed and he didn't answer. So he's not real. Like there's so mm-hmm. many moving elements with that. <laughs> there's so many things mm-hmm. going on with that. Like I like that you just like wouldn't understand you also cannot mm-hmm. bargain with God. You cannot test God in that way. The yeah. whole if you that's, do this, that's I'm what I do think that it, thing is uh uh-uh, mm-hmm. is not how you pray. Yeah, that's that doesn't roll. And and God says that, like, do not tempt me. Do not attempt to tempt me. And don't yeah. swear. Don't yeah. don't make a promise to me that way. It's dangerous ground. Because you can't keep it. Oh. You can't keep it. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, there's like, there's a few horrible stories in the Old Testament that we all choose to not talk about where <clears throat> people made promises to God in their foolishness. <clears throat> and then having to keep it was awful because they couldn't see enough to know what they were promising, you know? And I, I think there's a, a lot of warning of that in the Bible as well. You know, that's like, um, yeah, you know, I'm not even going to share that story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the story that comes to mind on that. It's a really sad, terrible yeah. story. Um, but it's just, it's the, it's the foolishness of us thinking that we can foresee enough to make vows that we can't keep. Yeah, especially such a dangerous vow as that. Yeah. Did you unmute this somehow? Jeez. Oh, I'm gonna. I'm not. I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to edit out her talking over me like that. I don't think that's a thing that's gonna happen. Any baby, honey, you have enough there. That's fine. No. That's a nice. Yeah, I think. I think she mostly spoke over your last few. I could, I could just cut those out and reread them when she's silent, and and then. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. You could even just reread those in your own time. Next time she takes a nap. (laughs) Yep. She's just being extra fussy with me because she's going through the motions. She didn't take a long enough of a nap. She should have stayed asleep, but all my gear is here, so she got all excited. Yeah.
that wasn't too bad. It was a little bit rambly. We forgot that we were gonna like run through it with each other. I remember that like halfway through.